Sinatra, a Mistro Bean Hazarta. A day to fear now. Give me the power I face of you. Awake! You are all going to die tonight. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hello. Welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely, and my beautiful guest for today is another former Minnesotan. (laughs) I introduce you to... Kate Newman, pronouns she, her. And I am Jennifer Lovely, she, her. Um, So, Kate... Like, have you always been a horror fan? Uh, no, actually, uh, I, I was not allowed to watch any scary movies as a child. Uh, I think that's partially because my mother never liked scary movies. Uh, and then I got freaked out by E.T. when I was very young, which is not, you know, the movie itself is a heartwarming classic. And I still can't watch it, frankly. <laughs> I know a lot of people that like saw it really young and like when the medical professionals came in, like it fucked them up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And also, um, I know, I know you are just, just <laughs> dropping things everywhere. Um, I know you were familiar with the podcast, but I, I drop the occasional F bomb. So no worries about. I, I promise about I'll share it with story. that. <laughs> <laughs> so like when did that start to change when well, you'd gotten into horror uh once i knew that it was really a genre I, i'd say i was still pretty little but somehow i ended up catching a little bit of an old classic vincent price movie on tv when i was pretty young of course i don't even know what the movie was because i was just too young vincent to have price, any solid memories drug. yeah and, <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like oh i really like this oh this is great and and then i think my mom saw me watching something that looked a little scary it was like oh you shouldn't be watching this and then you know put it back to sesame street or whatever which yeah who knows who knows but uh yeah it, it was that was sort of the i guess the gateway drug i'd say and yeah. uh yeah then then did later you ever dwell into reading like if you didn't have access to film did you find yourself reading the scary stories oh yeah uh, there were there were definitely yeah. scary stories that were acceptable because you know they're books but it's reading, reading. Is good. it's fine but uh, yeah <laughs> like uh, scary movies scary tv that was that was never on the docket and uh both my mother and my sister didn't show any interest in anything scary really um i'd, I'd say mystery on uh pbs was about as, as close as we would get and <laughs> yeah uh, uh, other than that like i think uh Occasionally, I'd catch my dad watching things that were scary, like late, late at night when I would wake up. When they used to have the late movie on like regular television, you had those like it was after the the evening news. They would have they would have a movie, and sometimes you get the scary stuff then. Yeah, that I think that's probably the only chance I would ever have (laughs) to to catch anything scary was if I you know happened to sneak out of my room when my dad might be watching something. Uh, oh my god scary I, I kind of wonder because tecla was never that kid who um 
who would sneak out to like the hall or something to like watch the television. I think, I think we're losing that with kids having like computers and phones. Like they don't have to like siphon off our media yeah. intake. So, cause I completely remember after I'd been put to bed, cause I was, I was a non-sleeper even really, really young of mm-hmm. like poking my head out so I could watch whatever was on the television after you know after your bedtime and and i don't know if kids do that anymore because the media is everywhere now that's true yeah one you of can just things. sneak your ipad under your covers and and watch something you want to watch, and watch rather anything than this. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, different so, times um, uh have you seen what have you been watching lately well um i finally in the past few months watched the the haunting both hill house and bly manor love oh, those they're so good yeah uh, just such a such a fun cast, uh, such beautiful cinematography. Just just a, a really lovely way to spend like my lunch times. Basically, That's, I just do <laughs> one episode at a time, so I didn't just do it all in one big gulp. And that worked it's, out well. I, it's got to be interesting though to like watch them in a stretch. Like if you didn't have, if you waited on both of them to mm-hmm. watch them, you got to see them all as kind of like two little pieces of a same whole. Yeah. Did you have a favorite? Oh. I, I would say I, I like them both fairly equally, but for different reasons. Like the aesthetics of Hill House, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a story that I like. Shirley Jackson is definitely up there in authors that I've enjoyed for years. Yeah. Uh, but boy, that love story of Bly Manor. Mm, mm. Give, give me those so sexy good. ladies in their happy homes. Like, I, I will take oh, that anytime. Yeah. <sighs> Is there anything else that you've been seeing? Oh yeah, uh, let's see. I also watched Ratchet. Um, that oh. was that was that was a fun I'm one. I'm tempted by that, but I haven't watched it yet. It, it it was it was a ride. It was honestly a little more brutal than I anticipated, but it was it was very entertaining. Um, as far as movies and not series go, uh, of course I've rewatched Midsummer. Fabulous. <laughs> It's become a threat with my friend Jillian and I that anytime there's a, a man on the internet ever, anywhere that angers us that we're going to put him in the bear suit. Oh, yeah. Put him in the bear suit. Put him on fire. Him on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> but um, aside from that, for other movies I've been watching, see, I even took notes for this. So I'd be like, I've got stuff to talk <gasps> about. you. Yeah. So prepared. <laughs> so um, <laughs> just the other day I watched uh, Little Joe which I don't know if you've seen that. It's very good. I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. yeah. But excellent, excellent, weird little motherhood distorted kind of story. So definitely worth uh, taking a peek at that. Um, and for older things, I suppose, let's see. Uh, I watched Lake Mungo pretty recently for the first time. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, it was so good. And really, the reason that I watched it was like you'd mentioned it multiple times on your podcast Mm. before. And I thought, I'm just going to save this for when I need a little a little horror movie pick me up, essentially. And and and, yeah, that's what I needed for uh, around my birthday. And I was like, now is the time. It's my birthday present to myself. I'm going to watch this movie that I know Jen likes. (laughs) And it was great. It's so layered. Oh yeah, that I I it's one of those movies that I really recommend watching multiple times because you catch nuances and and little like little dropped clues through the film. Oh, it just makes me so happy. Yeah, 
just a, a, just a delight. And it just makes me so sad that, you know, the director has just sort of dropped off the radar and Mm, yeah that's sad yeah but um kind of in that same vein that um i think tells a familial story and like a generational family story is um relic if you haven't seen that yes yes is really 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 good Mm -hmm. definitely highly recommended as well and what else have i watched recently uh gretel and hansel watched that enjoyed it greatly that that was (laughs) a fun one and i even just the simplicity of calling it Gretel and Hansel is, is it big, says yeah. so much about what it's you can important. expect mm-hmm. from that film. Uh, yeah. It is not the story of two little children and the boy being in the most important. It is, it is her story. Yeah. And Oh my God. Yeah. Definitely. The, the more I think on that, it's one of those ones that I kind of return to every once in a while. Cause I just love the aesthetic of it. And, and I just, you know, it's like they sprinkle little girls coming of age stories here and there and explore their growth in different ways. You have things like Ginger Snaps. Oh, yeah. But it's like, I'm like, the more, I, I want more. Like, I want it. <laughs> I want every spooky little girl to get her coming of age story. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> I will watch them all. Uh, exactly. Like, that's, that is, that is my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. So enjoyable. Yeah. But, and yeah, I, I just, I enjoyed Gretel and Hansel a lot. I thought Sophia Lillis was excellent as, as Gretel. I think she has the makings of uh, a very fine actor. And uh, I, I kept looking at Alice Krieg, uh, the the elder witch, yeah. and thinking, what do I know her from? What do I know her from? And oh, I, I looked her afterwards. The Borg Queen from First Contact. Like, yeah. that just blew my mind. Like, oh, <laughs> that's why I, that face looks so familiar. And that that just seems such such a funny a funny way to remember her. But yeah, definitely. She she was fantastic in it and yeah. effectively creepy. Yeah. I love I love uh um seeing uh the, the crone personified oh yeah is just and the power of an older woman oh it's good stuff yep it, it just <laughs> mm, good good stuff and let's see what else have i been watching uh we summon the darkness i watched that pretty recently as well uh in, enjoyed that uh alexandra daddario was good we summon the darkness is that the the ones where the girls go to the the rock concert and brought ah, the boys back i yeah. keep hearing really good things about it and i just it's kind of not my bag so i keep holding off on it but i have a feeling even though it isn't totally like the ones that i go for i think because it's got a comedic element to it i think when i do see it i'm gonna love it i it's it's not as it's not as comedic as i was it's led to believe yeah so uh yeah it, it was it was a fun ride I I, okay. I enjoyed it, and I've liked Alexandra Daddario and other things that she's been in. So I was like, yeah, yeah I I can't resist those beautiful blue eyes. So <laughs> gotta <laughs> gotta check you? that out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. And what else have I seen? Uh, Rent a Pal with Will Wheaton. That that it was not even on my radar until I caught uh someone else tweeting about it, and. Boy, you would not think that Wesley Crusher would make a very effective, creepy, creepy man slash video persona. But that was that was a lot of fun. Did not end how I expected, which is always a nice treat 
And yeah, yeah uh, that that was I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to check it out. It was it was on Hulu, so easy easy to access. So yeah, definitely another one that's uh, worth taking a peek at. Uh, kind of fun, kind of uh, atmospheric, and sort of a early '90s way, I'd say. There's a roller rink. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when a movie does that really well, where it kind of like personifies like a little a little pocket of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. It was funny because what was I? One of the movies that I saw recently was I watched Fingers, which is on Shutter, and it is this weird black comedy that I like. Did this really, really, really wide swing between like I love this, this is the best thing I've seen in the whole world, and oh my god, I hate this so much because it's making me really, really, really uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's doing that like people being really uncomfortable with each other as as a point of black humor, but it has Jeremy Gardner oh. in it, who I fucking love from The Battery and from After Midnight, um, but I was like leafing through like IMDb to see like what else has he been in because I know he's he's personally spoken of his struggles like on Twitter and stuff of like when when do I admit to myself that I'm a bartender (laughs) who occasionally is involved in film because like I'm not making a living doing this and like what do you do when you're not living in LA trying to make this your life um in a movie that he had a bit part in was a movie called Bliss um, which was this really kind of super gory, um, but it was, it was, it felt like that early 90s. It was a, a woman artist and it's vampirism and it's super bloody and gory. And it reminded me so much of that feeling of being a goth in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, did you ever, like, I, I always forget where exactly you grew up in Minnesota. Uh, Duluth, Minnesota, at the tip of Lake okay. Superior. Okay, so did you ever, you never made it down? Well, I mean, I'm sure you went to Minneapolis on occasion. Oh, yeah. But did you ever reside in Minneapolis? Uh, I, I did. Well, I, I was in St. Paul. So <laughs> okay. practically the same. But uh, Because, I, um, like, my first experience of going to goth clubs was uh, Ground Zero. Oh, yeah. In Minneapolis. And, like, it made me, like, of, of you know when I was young and that was what you do every weekend is you mm-hmm. went to the club or you had, or even more so had those nights during the week that like you had jobs where, you know, you just didn't work Tuesday nights or like I had a, there was a Monday night club that everybody would go to. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, even if you worked until 10, you'd like race down there and then just be hung over and exhausted the next day. But of that feeling of like living in the moment and just, the dirty grittiness of it. And it just felt like it just encapsulated that. Oh, love but that. So, so it's like when you talk about the movie, like kind of being that 90s moment, it was just like sometimes when those things like take you back or like give somebody like the experience yeah. who didn't who didn't exist as like a young adult during those times of like at least at least somebody's interpretation of what it was like during those times. <laughs> oh, nostalgia. <laughs> uh, Fingers is is weird and it's it's the blackest of black humor and it 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 is terribly uncomfortable and weird, but it's 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 this woman who is phobic of anyone having any kind of deformities or differentness. And so she she freaks out when she goes into the shop and this woman's got a birthmark on her face. She freaks out when she goes to this other place and the it's a little person who's running it and she like she's terrified. And so basically she goes into work one day and this one guy who who works with her has has a finger a pinky chopped off. Except it's not like bandaged. Mm. Like it's just chopped off and he's gone on with his day. Mm-hmm. And she loses her fucking shit. She goes to therapy like it is 
And it plays with this of like her finding herself and, and like healing in a way in like the strangest, most twisted finding yourself kind of storyline. <laughs> and it, it alternates between strangely funny and so off-putting. Like there is, it's just one of those movies where I was like, am I enjoying this? Do I like this? Do I want to keep watching? <laughs> but, but it's, so I don't know who I'd recommend it to, but it's strange, surreal and off-putting yet good and yet funny. And sometimes gross. <laughs> I, I am certainly intrigued that that's, that is a very unique story premise yeah. and, and i do love um, those <laughs> yeah uh the other thing that i've seen recently was um hunter hunter which i'd only recently started hearing people talk about and then some people were putting it on their top 10 list but it came out like right towards the end of the year so i didn't get any chance to see it and it's a a, a man and his wife and daughter and they live out in the middle of nowhere and they have made their life from hunting and trapping in current day and are trying to live totally off the grid um, in an area that you find out as things are going on that they shouldn't like while it is his family land, it's become national forest. So technically he shouldn't be residing out there. And he hunts. They have like a wolf that keeps coming into the area, but he keeps finding um, they have one that is worrying them that it's going to attack them. And the wife is the one who goes into town and tries to sell the pelts. And it's just becoming less and less profitable and they're having less and less to live on. So there's a sense of peril in that with their lives. Um, and the acting between the husband and the wife and the like young teen daughter, like we're talking like 12, 13 or so. More, more, it felt more 12 than like 13. Um, and he keeps seeing signs of things of something happening. And you don't know if it's supernatural. You don't know if it's just some kind of predatory animal. You don't know what's going on. What I will say is it's beautifully acted. Um, it is an amazingly well done movie. Um, but you have to be prepared for a very dire film and a dire end. Mm. And I hit a point after watching it where I was like, I'm glad I saw this. But I didn't need to see it right now. Mm. Um, right now, there's too much. Like, I love my horror movies, but it was, it was like, it was just a punch in the gut with everything else. I think it was like too close to the election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was too close. To the, it was like, I need something happier <laughs> than this. Time, time for so, a comfort watch you know, that you know you've got yeah. an ending that you'll enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the other one I've seen recently, well, just right after the turn of the year, but I haven't done a what I've watched lately and due to the last couple of episodes, which I watched in Pedagore out of mm. Indonesia. It is a lot of Indonesian. I think I see this in, in, um, on a lot of like Asian cinema where the stories are a lot longer than I think would be acceptable here in the U S the stories stretch out longer. And so it, it feels like it almost had a little too much story, but I will say the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie are a horror movie all of their own. It starts out with a woman working in a toll booth by herself. Mm. And she is on phone contact with a, a friend who is in another toll booth by themselves. And a guy keeps going through her toll booth in the dark mm. and stopping and staring and then coming up and making her really uncomfortable. And there's a point in time where he comes through her toll line, but then pulls off to the side and then just sits there. Oh, And she's in this toll booth entirely alone and the the pressure and the fear 
in that 10 minutes of like, how is this going to go is literally one of the most terrifying experiences that I've had in film in a really long time. Wow. But it's, it is beautiful and gorgeous. They, they, uh, she and her friend, which is a bit of a spoiler, she and her friend after this experience, uh, end up trying to go find her family home that is like kind of out in the country. And they have this village that they go to that's filled with, you know, all of these people that live a very village um, rural life. Um, but they have a thing where they have this master puppeteer who lives there who does, does these um, shadow puppets mm. that are just gorgeous. Um, so it's a very beautiful, very fairy tale, um, but also very violent. Um, it's just a really, really well done movie. I think my only complaint with it would be that it goes it goes on a little bit longer than like, you know, in an American editing room, a little bit of it would have been cut off to make it flow a little bit better. But all in all, it was a fantastic, absolutely wonderful movie. And is there anything else? Oh, <laughs> speaking of the 90s, from 99, I uh, I rewatched The 13th Floor, which oh. is this sci-fi horror um, uh, neo-noir of um, these people who are creating like an AI reality where they keep going into it and like living other lives. And it's this mystery and there's murder and it's very, very 1990s. <laughs> I, I just, I'd had a fond remembrance of it and it came up in some other conversations. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to rewatch this. And it didn't quite hold up to how much I remembered really, really liking it. Cause it's, I, I think um, I love noir film and you mm. don't get to see all that many examples of them using noir tropes in like, a totally different kind of retelling, like saying using a um, a simulated reality, like that you're playing in to to, which you know in this modern day and age, the idea of like being a, a hard nosed you know investigator, you know going into a like 1930s 1940s bar and like living the wildlife of that time. I can understand the appeal right now <laughs> with yeah. dolls and dames and <laughs> PIs and all that wonderful stuff. I can kind of see the appeal right now. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds pretty great. I, I would love exactly. to just walk into that for an afternoon. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, because we had very different hopes for the 20s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we did not get them. And we are not getting them. No. <laughs> Instead, we just got pandemic and, <sighs> and the government falling in on itself, which is in actuality a lot of the 1920s. Yeah. Just the bad parts. Sometimes yeah, we should get some good parts. We wanted, yeah. We wanted the royal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kate, what is your formative film? Well, my formative film is the absolute classic the bride of frankenstein just still beautiful still a joy to watch fun for the whole family (laughs) it is i've actually it was funny because i'd been talking about starting to introduce tukla to the universal classics and we're kind of tossing about which one would be like the best Mm. to find out that uh they're they and their dad have still been reading books and they just read dracula and then watched uh bella lugosi's dracula ah together so i was like so excited i'm like well you know i kind of wanted to do that but i'm glad it was something that they got to do together how did you get to see the bride of of frankenstein well you know i think it was one of those late at night caught a little bit type of movies but i remember i remember seeing bits of it like while i was sick and i think it was uh like a fever dream sort of thing 
And I was just going to laugh about that because there's something about seeing those when you're like kind of not feeling well that adds to the surreality of completely. And it's even now, like rewatching it just recently, it it just had that that thought of like, oh, yeah, I remember feeling very, very bad when I watched this before, but it kind of lingers. But uh, yeah, I, I, I remember watching maybe about half of it when I was pretty young i would say i was probably like seven or eight and yeah very young and i'm sure it was a day that like i was home from school and my dad was the only other person there because uh, if my mom were there she would have just been like no this is is not acceptable for well you're not feeling well and yeah for for some reason like I, i i i didn't actually have a chance to watch the rest of it until i was an adult so it it still had that weird fever dream like memory of like it's so this is so beautiful. familiar but so huh <laughs> so it's it's yeah. a really really gorgeous movie it still holds um, up well like Doctor Pretorius really and the and people and bottles are amazing and, oh, it, it is and beautifully lit uh it, interestingly shot especially for 1935 like just so many so many unique choices were made with with that film and yeah it's it's still it's still just one of those like i would recommend it to absolutely anyone even even someone who doesn't enjoy horror films just because it's it's such a classic it has so many things that are so recognizable just in you know general media that it's like oh yeah this this feels familiar but it's still fresh I have to look something up while I'm talking to you about this. (laughs) The thing that I also really loved with it is I took, it's probably been a good 10 years since I watched it last. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt very spoiled to be watching it at home on my my home theater screen because, you know, those movies aren't made to watch on a television. That was the thing I learned from watching Chaplin is that, Chaplin films, is that their humor is based around its placement on a larger screen mm-hmm. on it being very cin- cinematic. And, you know, that's a complaint you hear with a lot of directors right now is that, you know, well, you know, my, my movie isn't made for your iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> like, please don't watch it on, you know, and the reality is a lot of people are going to watch them that way, but there is an experience of seeing it in a larger, cause you get to see it's cinematics. So you get to see, and there's, there's things that I got from, I, I actually just rewatched it a couple days ago that um meant so much meant meant a very different thing to me as the 40s something woman that I am now yeah. that I think I ever gathered from like the early times. And I love that there's many layers on the story that you can just watch it as like a kid and it's totally acceptable watching. And then you watch it as an adult and there's so much more story there. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that really got me is, is it is, it does feel a little stagey. Like you, you can't, you, you do kind of get that moment of like almost being on a stage play. Yeah. They are actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's still it's still so beautiful. And I I'm still like impressed by the quality of the effects that the the times so where weird. you're in uh, Pretorius's lab oh. where he shows uh God, what did he call them? The home homunculi something like that yeah, yeah. the homunculi mm-hmm. of the the little dancer and the queen yeah. and, the, and the mermaid and, the, and, and oh. they're so beautiful yeah and, and, and like so where he well picks shot. up the king like yeah 
that looks really good. I know there's little things like a lot of special effects are helped by being in black and white. It covers a lot of um, difficulty in, <laughs> in making it appear realistic. Um, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. Like 1935. Yeah, like these are fantastic. <laughs> My my other favorite. Well, I don't, see, I don't want to talk about how I feel <laughs> about it, but like, um, the one real takeaway that I had was uh, Pretorius. Pretorius is in his own movie. Like, yeah, he he almost feels like he is he is the step above like everybody else that's acting in this movie because I loved, I loved his queerness mm. and his his savagery. Like felt so current and so modern, like he felt timeless in a way where everybody else is kind of like a little bit acting in the movie, doing their acting, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just comes through and just fucking chews the scenery and and his his viciousness and like I'm going to play God right now with you and your Bible stories. Oh, yeah. like I fucking loved that. Oh yeah. Uh, just he he is certainly one of the highlights of the film for me and yeah uh, i know there are some folks that have an issue with feeling like the way that he played pretorius was anti-queer but the actor himself was an out gay man so uh, it is it is you know a little bit of a a product of the times but Mm -hmm. i mean the the queer agenda was involved with the entirety of the movie i mean the director james whale was an out gay man yeah and so i think that yeah no i can completely see that take on it um and it yeah and of course like the only person you're going to have be actively is is like the kind of villain but yeah Oh, no, I just really loved it. The one thing that is so funny to me is even Jim kind of like, kind of had like Una O'Connor's um, uh, mini, her like, her screaming overacting, the uh, the maid, mm. her screaming overacting <laughs> and, 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 and farcical eye rolling. Yeah. And then uh, it's so funny because we just lost Cloris Leachman. Yes. Uh, this week. And um, all of a sudden, you understand Cloris Leachman's character in Young Frankenstein so much more as this, oh, like, yeah. strangely humorous, like, what is this? What is this character and, and her humor and weirdness? And that was such a thing in the 1930s to have, like, these, even, like, in these very serious moments of movies of, of like everything with Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein is so talking about human loneliness. Like the monstrous pathos. Yeah. Oh my God, his sadness, the monk's loneliness. Mm. There's like so much that's really heartbreaking in the Bride of Frankenstein that's about true. people just really desperately wanting a connection. Yeah. And and of course, and then, it's important to note that one of the strongest connections in the film is between two men when the monster in the month it, yeah <laughs> oh his joy the the monk's joy yeah on like having a friend yeah someone to appreciate oh. the violin and someone to cook for like just yeah. this little this little moment of homemaking which was so beautiful and torn completely apart by other people fucking men yeah. walking through ruining everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this is why my podcast doesn't get very big. Because 
fucking men listen to my podcast and they're like, oh my God, that woman hate or that man hating woman. <laughs> you, you're you're pushing the queer agenda now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did post on, we had like some more stuff that was getting talked about with, um, promising have you any interest in seeing a promising young woman absolutely i i I know i know the spoiler of how it ends and i'm waiting to watch it with someone supportive in person but emerald fennell i i've loved her acting so i was very excited that she went into the the director's chair and i i'm definitely going to watch it but i'm also going to be braced to watch it yeah, I have my comfort person and my comfort items and my comfort everything because, yeah, it's it's a hard watch. Um, but there was a male critic uh, and it just got shared the other day um, that was complaining that Margot Robbie um, was a producer on the film. Mm-hmm. And he felt that, well, maybe, you know, she'd been producing this for her to act in it because... Carrie's performance, like every time she was like sexed up in the bar roles, it felt like she was in drag and like oh. felt like everything was wearing her. And it was just really giving this talk of, um, she's well, she's not pretty, pretty enough, enough to rape. Ugh. And, you know, and then he was like, well, that isn't what I said. And I'm like, well, you're saying that, you know, you needed somebody sexier for the role because if they're going to be tempting, you know, someone to sexually assault them, that they should be prettier. Gross. And 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 men were just forming lines to say, well, that isn't exactly what he said. And you're just misinterpreting that. And mm-hmm. so I actually posted the picture of um, the boyfriend from Midsummer uh, in his bear costume with <laughs> uh, underneath it, it says men ain't shit. Because, <laughs> because you will never see men speak so angrily like as to support the fact that they're not being misogynist when they are being misogynist yeah <laughs> suddenly there's so much defense for those other men i know those poor men but what about the men what about the men let's talk about the men let's care about the men <laughs> <laughs> um the one thing i really wanted to bring up from the bride of frankenstein is that movie is made by that last 15 minutes oh yeah of that film of when Pretorius kind of like has uh, Dr. Frankenstein held up. They've got, you know, Elizabeth is off being held somewhere and they're desperately trying to bring this female creature to life. And the, the shots, the beauty of the shots in that last 10 minute of like those upshots at Pretorius and like of at the doctor and looking up towards where uh, the henchmen mm. are working are amazing and it's tense and you have the lightning and the creation it's really it's a like that movie is held up by that last 15 minutes of just of you know armchair gripping like tension (laughs) and oh so even skipping back elsa lancaster in this fucking film her portrayal of the bride oh I, oh, I read that she had watched swans around her house, and that's where she got those bird-like, quick, alien-looking movements. And I thought, well, suddenly that makes such perfect sense, because truly, that, that, that sound, and knowing that they, they played her sounds backwards to make it sound extra creepy, like, 
oh, that's masterful. What yeah. what an excellent choice. And and yeah. she played it so well. Yeah, perfectly. Oh, it's so it, yeah. Yeah, it just, I am so glad that you selected this film because being given the chance to revisit it and, and yes, we should all be revisiting the Universal Monster <laughs> movies, but there's so much media that like, sometimes you don't go back to these things that you saw a long time oh, yeah. ago there, there's to revisit them and a see. a glut of choice right now of I know. anything you could possibly want and more. <laughs> I do love, I do love the complaints that you see when <laughs> they're like, I've watched everything on Netflix. <laughs> like I've run out of. I've run out. I've watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So thank you very much for this film. You are so, so welcome. What was your modern movie that reminded you why you love horror? So uh, my modern movie uh, was Run from 2020 uh, with Sarah Paulson as Diane and Kira Allen as Chloe, the daughter. And while I would not say this is... A, a truly unique and exceptional film. It it did have some very strong, like personal feelings for me. Which I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really what horror is about: is how how well that you as a person can connect with the story that they're telling. And as someone who is disabled, I I can definitely say I I very much connected with this type of story. And uh, it was, it's also important to note uh, that uh, Kira Allen uh, is a wheelchair user herself. Yes, which never happens. Yeah, that's such they a rarity. never cast actually disabled people to play the disabled roles that they're playing. Yeah. So just knowing knowing that that was uh, a, a choice that they made was... Uh, made me so much more excited to talk about it because actually portraying things with the people who are living them is a a huge important thing to me. And I, I love holding up horror that is on the thriller end as horror. Mm -hmm. um, Because that is an argument that you see faced online all the time. Well, that that's actually not horror. Well, no, that's a thriller. That's not horror. And it always seems like it's it women peril stories. We get told all the time that it's that's not, not horror, horror by men. Yeah. And that makes me really angry. And I think that these movies get to be held up as the horror they are because it's legitimate horror. Yeah. If like, I were chained see, in a basement, whatever yeah. the circumstances, I, I'm calling that horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And one of the things I really loved about the movie was, well, number one, Sarah Paulson. (laughs) Excellent in everything she does. Just just the right amount of a little bit campy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, she's fucking wonderful. She's excellent. Um, uh, She actually has a has a TikTok. Um, I have gotten sucked into the world of TikTok and I'm just not even. (laughs) I took it off because I'm like, it's it's a terrible um. The app itself is a terrible thing. The company that owned it was a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> but after my surgeries, it was one of the few things in the world that brought me one minute, 15 second to one minute of joy. Like little, it was like little almost bushes of like entertainment after my surgeries and I couldn't do anything. And, and I was just like, what you I needed. it, but I, but I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, she's fantastic. And there were points in this film where I was genuinely scared of her. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah, as someone, um, I, uh, at, well, let's let's start with saying early in the movie, they have a, a screen listing the five conditions that Chloe's character has to deal with. I have three of those conditions. So that hit home really hard. Um, it's, it's funny because uh, Tekla was actually here when I was watching it. And they come through and there's so many things that I'm used to Tekla not being aware of because they're a child. And um, I was like, are you familiar? And, you know, they come through and they're like, oh, you're watching a scary movie. Yes. And <laughs> they've started watching some scary movies, um, but it, it's, they're usually. And I'm like, are you familiar with Munchausen by proxy? And they're like, mm. and I'm like, well, it's when a child is kept ill by their parent because they like the attention that having this ill child and they're like oh like like gypsy rose blanchard and i'm like exactly. yes you know <laughs> you know who gypsy rose and dd are dear god the internet <sighs> but the but the idea yes of of forcing a healthy child to to mimic debilitating like things that you are very experienced with like debilitating illnesses painful illnesses like for the attention that it brings you is terrifying. Like, like you actually have to deal with these health instances regularly. Every, every, every day of my life. Every day of your life. So watching the light come on in Chloe's eyes of, of putting the dots together, I think is one of the most fantastic parts of this film mm -hmm. of her putting, because with what her mother has done, it has forced her to become just incredibly savvy and and she has to fix everything herself because they don't have much. So like the the detective work of of the daughter. Can you talk about like like where did you feel the most like was it through Chloe's like detection of finding things out or just like the drama uh, I, I'd say, well, my first personal connection that I felt with Chloe was uh, when uh, Diane wanted to give her her insulin injection. And that sense of like, Mom, I can do this myself. I, I've been dealing with that since I've turned, what, four years old? Of that, I can do it. I am capable yeah. of taking care of my own needs. Yeah. And... And that sense of, I'm I'm the parent, and I'm going to do this for you. You have to make me care for you. I have to be the martyr. Is that that hits close to home? There's a power dynamic in that that can be, I imagine, overbearing and scary. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's certainly not a level of abuse that I would even want to call abuse no it's yeah. it, it's it's a facet of that gem I'd, I'd call it uh that that lack of independence is is a type of abuse yeah and and that is that is so much of what diane's character is is i must control this and of course needing to be in control that's that is definitely abuse yeah, that is, um, 
I think that I don't, <laughs> as I struggle to find the words for what I'm trying to say, um, I think that is part of my issue with them not acknowledging these stories as the horror that they are, because men cannot comprehend not having full control of their own bodies. And they don't understand the horror aspect of somebody taking away their their autonomy, individualness yeah. and their ability to be their own adult or just be their own individual that isn't tied to someone else controlling that. Yeah. And I think we're think taught, yeah, that being, being female means we need to be protected. We need to be cherished, but protected from the world. And yeah. we, we don't necessarily want that. We want to live no. our lives. Well, and there's, I think a lot of the time, um, there's that, um, God, what do they call it? It's not disability porn in a sense, but it's that the deification or infantilization of disabled people of like not letting them be individuals. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not a, a <laughs> they're not a learn, they don't exist to be a learning experience for everyone else. Ugh. Like, yeah, <laughs> that honestly, that's one of the reasons that I don't talk about any of my issues on a regular basis. Yeah. I don't want a blog to talk about how my diabetes is affecting me today, how my asthma is affecting me today, how any of those things are affecting my life, because that is my personal journey. And I don't want people yeah. co coming in just to say, I'm so proud of you. Good job, honey. Like, ugh. I don't want that. <laughs> I have had enough of that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll preface that by saying uh, my my mother is a nurse. I love my mom. She is she is not chaining me in the basement to, you know. But nurse moms are but, I, okay. I am just. I did not grow up with my nurse mom. Uh, but I after I graduated high school, my mom became a nurse mm -hmm. and. Nurse moms are kind of hard because they're like, tie off that bloody stump and go on with your day. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> for sure. And uh, yeah, she was uh, like a, a general uh, pediatrics nurse uh, when I was okay. very, very young. Once I got diagnosed diabetic at age four, she uh, went back to school and became a diabetes educator as well oh, as okay. an RN. So her her entire career path changed because of my diagnosis. That's a bit of a weight to carry of yeah. your life changed because my life changed. And I'm glad for that, but I'm also kind of like, oh man, that's that's hard to deal with. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to bear. It's so funny because like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, Kate chose run. And, and it, it sparked something in that true crime fan for me, because of course I've seen, I'd, I'd read all the newspaper stuff on, on, on Gypsy Rose. I had listened to the podcast that talked about it. I had watched Mommy Dead and Dearest. So I'm like, true crime, you know, turning the, you know, fictionalizing that and going on a story from there. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, there, there might be a true crime element that was there for you to like, serve this up to you as a story. Like, no, my, my horror of this story comes from this whole other different place of <laughs> like it, it being a lived experience in a very different way. Yes. And I, I will be the first to say that 
I, I am very privileged in my disability. I don't need a wheelchair. And that, that changes so much of, you know, my needs versus Chloe's needs in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, like, I, I have had to deal with an overbearing mother who absolutely loves me, but doesn't want to let me go. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thankfully, my mom has not murdered any mailmen that I'm aware oh, of. Oh, my. So I do want to <laughs> say, so I I love Pat Healy. Oh, he's so, so great. So fucking much. I love him so very much. <laughs> One of the only things that, like, fucking broke my heart is my very first year of going to Crypticon was Pat Healy was supposed to be there and there was a scheduling conflict oh. right before the convention and he ended up not being there. And I was so excited because I love those fucking character actors that mm. just show up there and absolutely, like we have seen him do everything from like in in Innkeepers being this schlubby computer nerd who worked there. Um, I fucking love in Tales of Halloween where he shows up as, um, they have this almost Halloween uh uh, three, uh, kind of detective. It, it, this the the little snippet that he's in is is kind of this little. It, it feels like a Halloween three homage, and but he's this brutish detective <laughs> who shows up being all manly, and you're like, but he's Pat Healy, but he just like does it, and it's fucking amazing. And but he's he's literally one of my favorite actors. So having him show up in this, I was like, yes, I. You know, you're supposed to be like, oh, you know, he's kind of got this relationship with Chloe and they have these like little moments through the window where they say hey to each other. <laughs> and and then when he finds her on the road and you're like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God, it's Patty. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I got to go back into the film. Got to go back into the film and and, and stop fangirling. <laughs> um, but he was not long. He was not long no. for this world. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, see, and this, ah, oh, this, this whole discussion is why I love the change that my podcast has taken. Cause I could talk about, you know, I spent five years on this podcast saying, oh, we're going to talk about zombie movies today. Oh, we're going to talk about, you know, black and white film today. And it was always my take in my interpretation and my life experience that, that, you know, talked about, um, about horror, but horror is so varied for so many people. And I love finding these films that aren't, you know, wouldn't necessarily be held up at a horror convention as like the apex of horror, because it's a horror that is very personalized to one person. But this is why we should talk about it. Yes. Because there's so much there. And I'm also going to bring up the fucking fact that representation matters. Yes. Getting to see people that are like you having life experiences, even in the ridiculousness of a horror film, really is important. True. Absolutely. And it is also important to say, directed by a person of color, uh, produced yes. by several people of color. Uh, the, the cinematographer is a woman. And yeah, there's there's a lot, a lot of, of the great cinematographers are, and a lot of the great film editors are also women. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, Anish uh, uh, Chaganti, 
I, I, I that yes. is me absolutely butchering his name. Um, a movie of his, he, he, before doing this, he did Searching, Searching. Mm-hmm. which is fucking amazing. Oh, John Cho. I love, <laughs> I love that movie so much. What was that? John Cho. So good. Oh, I know. Oh. If you do get bored, and I don't know if you have or haven't already seen this, um, there was an Exorcist TV show that they did like three or four years ago, and he is in the second season. And uh, the first season has Gina Davis, and I can't remember the guy's name, even though I can see him in my uh, Ruck, Alan Ruck, maybe. Uh, the first season has um, a family of four. Um, it's a mother and father and two daughters. And there's an uh, there's a possession incident, and they bring in these people from the church, and the, the the entire season is their arc. The second season has the people who came in to help the first family, moving on to a different family is having a possession issue, and Cho is the the foster dad ah. in the second season, uh, and it has all of these beautiful little homages to the original films. Um, he. Like, he could just keep doing horror for all of his life, and it would make me the fucking happiest person on the planet, because he just does it really well. I think- He does. Comedy and horror. He does- He has the timing and the chops for both of those, and I will happily watch anything he does. And he's a beautiful man. (laughs) And he's a a beautiful man. (laughs) That helps, too. (laughs) So, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up about Run? No, I'm I'm glad to give you an excuse to watch it and and to have an excuse to talk about it. Yeah, um, I have. I'm I'm still kind of refining how I like wrapping things up because I had um had a bunch of episodes like after the changeover. I was like, okay, we're done talking. Bye. <laughs> um, I like to wrap up with a little a little more conversation. Do you remember your first horror movie? Well, experience. I, I know the first horror movie that I was able to watch 100% all the way through was, I think I was a teenager at the time, and it was Witchboard 2. <laughs> I, I, I can't say I recommend it. <laughs> but but I did really like the fact that I was at someone else's house and I could watch a scary movie and no one no, was going to say, you can't thrill. watch this. <laughs> See, and I watched the original Witchboard when it first came out because I was already reading Fancoria and it had the guy who played Steve on Days of Our Lives. Yes. <laughs> and I had oh. such a crush on him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so as someone who hasn't like been like fully invested, like, you know, you didn't like come out loving horror. You had to kind of like seek it out and find a little love for it. What does horror have to have for you, for you to enjoy it? It has to have characters that are either very well-crafted or someone that I can relate to. There, there has yeah. to be some amount of personal connection. If it's a whole bunch of people that I don't like, I'm not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be a fun yeah. watch. Yeah, I can't, I can't watch film that's terrible people doing terrible things no that's that that there's there's no joy in that for me that's i i very rarely turn any movies off but if if i can't find a really you commit but (laughs) but, uh yeah i I, if, if there's if there's all characters that i'm just like oh no oh no not you. Oh You're all God. bad. I think I think you've just created a third question. <laughs> I have to write that down. Hooray. Do you turn 
a bad movie off or a movie that you don't enjoy. I have gotten, I am, I am so, <laughs> I've turned <laughs> movies off when the, when the, um, not, it's not the credits, but when the title card comes up and if it hasn't like, if it hasn't hooked me, like, I'm like, well, I'm done. Your, I'm your time is valuable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've only got so much time. It's true. I have literally like the title card popped up and I'm like, no, I'm not invested. <laughs> That's too bad. And I, and I think, I think part of the reason is, is we, it, it, it isn't an, the movie going experience has changed since we were kids. You know, you didn't do a family outing to Blockbuster anymore, oh. where each of you have to fight for that movie that you want to see. So bringing it home was this real event. Like, and you were going to commit yeah. to that fucking movie. Even if movie. you didn't want to watch it, you were going to keep watching it because you because, had to yeah. state your case. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now, and now like, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, the, the entirety of moverdom, moviedom is like at our fingertips now. Yeah. There's just so too accessible. much out there. We can like stop and start a new movie. <laughs> It's it's true. Anytime. <laughs> well, thank you. You've given me you've given me my la- my my three questions of will you turn off a movie? And you're like, no, you are committed. <laughs> well, happy oh, to my assist. Goodness. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It is an absolute delight to to be here and talk about something that we both care about. Oh. <laughs> All right. For the rest of you, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy these movies. Um, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at DRTL Podcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>